0: Good morning again. It's good to be here with you. We're continuing our series on crave. What does your soul crave? We we looked originally at how our cravings, the desires we have, are like magnets that, that pull us to The God who gave us these desires, who gave us these cravings. We saw even in the beginning in the garden, man had the desire for food, for intimacy, and God had placed those things in him, and they're there within us. They are there to help us actually pursue those things that are meaningful. Our cravings drive us. Yesterday, we we celebrated Pat's birthday, and it's actually her birthday today, so just to let you know. And so there's a party at Doug's house, and we went and we ate some amazing chicken and lots of food. And I went home and I was satisfied, but then my daughter brought pizza home, and I've been doing so well, but I craved pizza. And so because I craved it, I actually ate some more pizza. Our our cravings drive us to do things, and so we are looking at how these cravings not only are the physical ones but there's cravings that our souls have we we talked about intimacy we desire to be loved and we desire to love and we looked at the dark side of that that can be jealous and envious and vengeful and then we looked at the healthy side of that that is giving and how dysfunctional intimacy is something that desires to self-gratification where healthy intimacy is self-sacrifice. And and today, we are going to be looking at destiny. And when you think of destiny, I, I don't know what ideas come into your mind, but you see, we all have, I believe, this desire to live a meaningful life, a life that has purpose, a life that is going to have value, a life that makes a difference, a life that We desire... When I was a kid, before there was karaoke, I would put on my favorite albums because that's what they had back then. And I'd put on my favorite album and I would start singing to whatever the album was. It was the Beatles or the Monkees. I admit it. I was young, okay? (laughs) I would listen to these and I can remember standing on a coffee table... Is my mom here yes yeah, she is um i don't know if she knew this because i didn't do this when anyone was around right i would stand on the coffee table and i would hold something like it was a microphone and i would look in the window and i would pretend i was you know some rock star and i was singing and i could imagine all the girls you know singing back and admiring me and it was just this i'm being very honest here this morning okay And so it was this desire. I just wanted to do something. I wanted to to be this. And I wanted to have a life that people would recognize and that I would be satisfied in doing that. And I, I think sometimes we find ourselves living less of a life than we imagined. And maybe even the life that we start to living and the things that we start to do, the destiny that we're following is no longer our destiny, and our our destiny and our desires can change thankfully, thankfully, my desire changed as I got older, and i i didn 't want to be justin bieber and, and <laughs> but sometimes those desires and that destiny are actually not even ours they 're our parents or they 're out of necessity. you know you need to make a living, and so you work for money, but it 's no longer living for meaning and we find ourselves falling from the destiny that we really crave the desires that we really have and you might be living the destiny that your parents gave you or again that necessity has put in yourself but your soul cannot live well without hope for the future and if we don't have that destiny for a future, then we start to wither and we start to die. And we see the opposite true with people who are doing what they want, right? They're excited about it. They come home and they talk about it. All the things that happen and they can be annoying. It's like, man, you great, you like your life. I am so happy for you. And usually we're feeling those things when we're not living that life that we have one of the things about this destiny is we're going to talk about the dysfunction this kind of dark side of destiny is people who pursue the things that they want are the ones who leave a mark in other words there is incentive there is intention and it's becomes dangerous when we see that the future that we start living isn't one of intention but actually one of apathy we kind of surrender and stop pursuing because we feel like it's over that's not this is what i'm going to do and that's all there is for me and all of a sudden there there is no passion i remember hope you don't mind have it since it's your birthday about i don't know eight months ago we were having our midweek and we were talking and having a little interaction discussion and uh pat asked a question or we were having a dialogue and i asked i asked you do you think that there is still use for you purpose for you in your future and you said i don't know i don't think so And I remember feeling just so hurt. And I told you, yeah, there is. And I know since that time, she's been involved with the word indeed that her and Judy take coffee and go drive and find homeless people and give them coffee. Um, Not just every day, but, you know, I mean, they do those kinds of things. But you see, when there is the understanding of hope in the future, you pursue it. You live towards it. It becomes something that drives your life. And so apathy is when you lose that drive, when you no longer care, when you're no longer driven for a future and a life that you can imagine and that you desire. And it's hard to find people in Scripture where there is just this apathy because you don't write about apathy, you write about intention, you write about passion. You write about the people who, who heard the voice of God and responded. You, you write about the people who did these things. You don't write about the guy who did nothing. You know, and there was, you know, I don't know, Bob. Of course, Bob's not going to be in the Bible, Hebrew Bible. And Bob got up in the morning and ate Captain Crunch. And then Bob watched some TV. You're not going to read something like that. Because it's not meaningful. But there is someone in the scriptures that I think we can learn from. You see, because if you're not driven by passion, I mean, even, even evil people are driven by passion, whether it's Stalin or Saddam Hussein or Hitler. These people are driven and they have a, an idea, a destiny, a future in mind. And even though it's an evil one, they're driven to do something and they change the world because of it. But apathy does nothing. And so we're going to look at someone in Jonah chapter 1. Open your scriptures to Jonah. Now here is a prophet of God. We're going to go ahead and read in this first chapter. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. So God is giving to Jonah... A destiny. He's speaking to him and saying, here is what I have for you. I don't know how that took place. He says, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. You know, did he hear an audible voice? Did he get an impression kind of like we do sometimes? My wife does this all the time. She has this feeling. I should call so-and-so. And And then when she doesn't follow through, usually they call her like the next day. And she's like, ah, I should have called them. I haven't spoken to them, you know, in months, but I've had this impression. I don't know what it looked like. Jonah had this feeling, this sense, you need to go to Nineveh because the wickedness there has come up before me. Verse 3 says, But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for a port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. How do you fall asleep when there's a storm going on and the boat is being tossed? One of the things that takes place in our lives when we don't have hope, when we don't have a future or a destiny, when we don't see that in our horizon is we give in to depression. And one of the evidences of depression is the lack of life. And so sleep is common. People who are, are depressed, they have a hard time getting up because they, in their minds, what is there to get up for? And you see, when you run away from the life that God wants you to live, you start falling into a depression because there is no longer the hope for the future and the things that you would desire. And so he's below sleeping. Verse 6, the captain went in to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us that we will not perish. And the dry land. That's how I picture him saying it. (laughs) And this terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up. Throw me into the sea, he replied. And it will become calm. I know that it's my fault, and this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you. Lord, I've done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm, and this the men greatly feared the Lord and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Here is a man who has a destiny, who has a future that God has given to him. He's a prophet. He is to proclaim what God says. That's what prophets do. And here is the proclamation, go to Nineveh and proclaim to these people. But Jonah turns his life from the destiny that God has for him, tries to run away. We see that he's sleeping. We see that he's in this state of lack of life, lack of passion everyone else is calling on their god and even though they're false gods at least they're trying and here is a man who knows the true god and he's doing nothing one of the things that's troubling to me is that so many people who are followers of christ do not live lives with passion or intention and there has come this kind of surrender well It's up to God. Whatever God wants, God will do. And we're just along for the ride. But you see, God has a destiny for us. And it might be like a prophet Jonah where you're to proclaim who he is to other people. It might be to be involved with music. It might be to be the best plumber you can be. But if you don't see it with intention and passion and you don't see this as this is the desire I have to live my life and to do these things and you surrender and just become apathetic and you find that people who don't know and don't follow Christ are actually doing things that we should be doing. You ever wondered why it is so many people want to do humanitarian work? They want to go and build wells in Africa. They want to go and take schools to these other countries, to India. They want to go to Nepal and help those who are suffering because of the earthquake. They want to do these things. They are driven to do these things. Why? Because they want a life of meaning. And so many people who follow Christ, I found... Don't have the passion. Don't want to live a life of intention. Don't want to pursue those things. Why? Because they're difficult. You see, if you're not failing, you're probably not trying. Because that's really what is going to happen. Look at the people in Scripture Abraham, man, blew it, blew it, blew it, blew it. God used him. Look at Jacob, same thing. Look at all of the patriarchs. You see, failing at least is movement. But one of the dark sides of destiny is apathy, doing nothing. And if you do nothing... You start to die inside. And we are meant to pursue our lives. And what has happened to us, I I believe, is we can find destiny in the stories of others. And so we go to the movies. I went and saw The Avengers yesterday morning. You know and you're sitting there watching this movie, and it's like, oh, man, wish I could be Thor, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and you're excited as you see this movie take place. But what a shame if the most excitement you ever will live is watching it on a screen, and it doesn't actually take place in your own life. What a shame if you go to the movies to satisfy the craving you have for a destiny, And it's not yours. It's just an imagined one on a screen. You see, sometimes like Jonah, we're not just running away from God. We're running away from the life that God has called us to live. I might still go to church. I still might read my, my Bible. I still might do these things, but I'm not Pursuing the life that God wants me to live because that life is going to cost me something. And and if I don't pursue it, it's easier. Pursuing it may cost me something and I may fail. Uh, it, it, It happens not only with us but the people we know. And this isn't just people who are follower of Christ. Remember, the whole intention of this series was for us to understand that these cravings that we have are the cravings that our neighbors have, our friends have, our family has. Everyone has these things. And, and if you go to someone and say, hey, have you ever, what did you want to be when you were young? I wanted to be a fireman. I wanted to be, you know, this. I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted, most of the time there is this vision of wanting to do something that has some kind of meaning, some kind of, you know, prestige or hope in it. Whatever happened to that craving? Well, you know, I just had to make a living and so I became this and I started doing this. And Do you ever wish you could start living that life again? Well, yeah, I'd like to do something. Hey, how would you like to go with us to Mexico? I would love to. That's why we include people who aren't followers of Christ on some of the Humanitarian things that we do. Why? Because we find that it fits right in line with the things that God has put in their hearts to desire to do. Yeah, I want to do those things. And so now they're they're pursuing something that actually makes them feel alive and it's actually drawing them to the things that God has put within them from the very beginning. And so we've got to be careful of this apathy, of, of giving in to this and not doing anything. And another dark side of this destiny is could be an anger for those who do pursue that life. Those who do pursue those things that that are meaningful. You look at them, and if you're not living that life, pretty soon you get jealous. You kind of get enraged, like, man, who do they think they are doing these things? You know that you you actually get envious of those things because if you don't pursue the life God created. For you to live, it's hard for you to celebrate that life as you see it in others. And this happens in our relationships. It happens in our marriages. You know, when I am excited about something that I'm doing, we're starting a church in La Paz and we're, we're helping these people and I, I go there and I come back and I start telling Corrine about it. I'm just excited about those things and if Corrine says, well, you know, I wanted to do something like this. I go, wow, that's great. Let's, you know, I'm excited for her to do it. Why? Because I can feel and sense. I know what that feeling is like. I have that empathy with you. I can identify with you. I see it in my own heart and I want to see it in yours as well. I, I want to share that this experience of life with you but when it's not there when i'm in a funk and and i'm not feeling alive and my wife tells me you know i have this desire i want to do this thing to to do a story time reading for the children in the the community yeah so I don't feel it i'm I'm a wet blanket, right I 'm just kind of no inspiration to her at all. Why? Because I have no inspiration. I have no breath that that life in me to give out, and so it starts to conflict with those things. When you're not living that life, it's hard to celebrate it in others. When you are living the life God wants you to live, you actually become more generous to others. There's another passage I want you to look at with me in 1 Samuel, chapter 18. Starting in verse 1, it says, After David finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From the day Saul kept David with him, and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Now what Jonathan is doing here is very significant. You see, Saul is Jonathan's dad and Saul is king. So Jonathan is next in line to the throne. It's his by inheritance. And what Jonathan is doing is taking these things that would be representative to his rights, to this position, and he's giving him, giving them to David because Jonathan recognizes that these things belong to David. And Jonathan can celebrate those things in David without feeling threatened in himself. He's not looking at David as competition. He's actually celebrating what God is doing in David. Verse 5, whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. When the men were returning home afterward, David had killed a Philistine. The women came from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with timbrels and lyres. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Bad lyrics there. Saul was very angry This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me only with thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? Now see the difference. Jonathan could celebrate David and his anointing and his destiny. Saul has no destiny. And so he cannot celebrate David. Instead, he is threatened by him. Verse 10, the next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul as he was, he was prophesying in the house while David was playing the lyre, as he usually did. And Saul had a spear in his hand, something we need to notice that anger and jealousy make space for evil. Anger and jealousy will make a space open in your life, in my life, for evil. So we see that Saul has a spear. Verse 11, and he hurled it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. (laughs) So David's playing a harp. Oh, spear! (laughs) Oh, not spear! (laughs) Didn't miss a beat, just kept playing the harp, right? David is one of these guys. You know, he's the captain of the army he he's beating the philistines killing his tens of thousands but he's also sensitive and plays a harp you know one of those guys yeah battle yeah i'm tough i'm captain of the football team i can swoon the girls too you know i he's just he does it all he's one of these guys you look at and just like man it's just not fair you know i can't do either of those things and that's where saul is at he is so anointed, he's so gifted, and Saul is so jealous. And so he tries to kill him twice. Verse 12, we see that Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David, but had departed from Saul. So he sent David away from him and gave him command over a thousand men, and David led the troops in their campaigns. And everything he did, he had great success. Because the Lord was with him. When Saul saw how successful he was, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he led them in their campaigns. And what we see here is that David had destiny. David here had a calling in a life that he was pursuing, something that God had given him to do, the ability to do, the desire to do, and David was walking in that. Saul did not have that. He had no desire for a future. He had no desire, an idea of a destiny, no hope for his future. He was sitting back, resting on the fact that, hey, I'm king of Israel. This should be enough. I, I find so many times that that's exactly what happens. With those who follow christ i'm a follower of christ that's enough and the life of god is not seen in us and it doesn't overflow and we don't pursue more it's going to cost you and it is dangerous it is going to take from you there's so many times i feel like you know god i'm feeling like i'm I'm decaying. I, I feel like I'm losing my momentum. I, I feel like something is amiss in my life and I start seeking God and I'm thinking, God, what has to happen? And then I'll have this this impression, kind of like Jonah, I want you to go to Tarshish. It might be I want you to start something in La Paz and help stuff. Well God, La Paz is very far away. You know, to get to La Paz it's gonna cost money, it's gonna take time, it's gonna be difficult. And it would be a lot easier just to stay here. I I want you to to build a cafeteria in Haiti. God, that's going to cost a lot of money. We're going in June, by the way, to see and dedicate the building because it's done. It's going to require these things of us. It'd be a lot easier to just keep that money and relax and and do nothing with that. You you don't understand. It costs something. But if you don't do it, it costs you even more more cost even more if we don't do that see sometimes we're living unsatisfied lives not because we're doing something wrong we're just not doing anything right we're just existing and god has not made us to just get by marriages die All the time because they just get by and they don't pursue one another anymore. No, we know each other, we're married, we're committed, we have to stay together, so that's it. But you were meant to crave more. You were meant to desire more. And if you don't find it in your marriage, you start to look elsewhere. And we were meant to have lives of meaning. And it's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you money. It's going to cost your soul something. But that's where you will find life. And so, what is it that you're craving? The craving for destiny isn't going to be satisfied in an apathetic life it's not going to be satisfied saying i'm a christian i'm saved i'm going to heaven the craving of your life will die if that's your satisfaction and it's not just about doing more i just need to get busy i need to do something okay i'll go to haiti okay i'll go to mexico okay where else do i need to go it's not just being busy It's doing the things that God has for your life. And it can be more than one thing. And you may fail. You may think it's this and then, oh, it's actually over here. But you see, it's easier to steer the car when it's moving. It's easier for God to steer your life when you're being driven. The problem is so many of us aren't driven. And what we need to do is recognize that that craving for a destiny, for meaning, for intention in our lives, is God-given to every human being on this planet. That just like that pizza last night smelled so good, that this life that God has for me is so good, That I'm unsatisfied living anything less. And maybe you're here this morning and you're living less than the life you know you should be living. You know that there is more that God has for you than where you're at for whatever reasons. You've put it on the shelf because of someone else. You've stopped it because you got tired. You're, You're suffering depression and you're just wanting to withdraw. Whatever the reason, know this, that you will not live a satisfied and fulfilled life until you pursue the life that God has given you. And then you can be like, Jonathan, and celebrate the life of others, and not like Saul, and be afraid, and be withdrawn. Not like Jonah, being asleep and not caring. The heathen cared more about what was in their future than the prophet of God did. And maybe what needs to take place in, in our hearts is a rekindling of this craving for a destiny maybe we've thrown in the towel too early we said i I can't do any more than this and god is saying i want you to step up i want you to do more and you might say god that's terrifying how where what will i how will i find the time where will i find the energy Meet God there, because it's there where faith shows up and works in our lives. Let's pray. Father, I have yet to meet anyone who feels like they've done everything that their life was intended to be done in. Lord, I have yet to meet anyone who's looked back and said, yep, I, I did it all. Lord, I think we all can relate to each other in the fact that we we believe that there is more for us, but we are afraid to step into more. We're afraid of what it's going to cost us, but Lord, I'm afraid of what it costs us not to. And Lord, maybe you're wanting to explode in our lives but first what we need to do is recognize that there is a destiny you've called us to that there is a future that you want us to live in and it's lord not just a specific thing one thing it might be yeah like jonah to go to nineveh but it might be just i want you to go i want you to proclaim who i am to those who are Lost. Maybe, maybe it's just I want you to help those who are in need, those who are hopeless, homeless. Maybe it's I want you to help the children. God, whatever it is, you're speaking it to our hearts, and it's just one of many steps that we need to take if we want to be alive, if we want to have a life of passion and future and hope. And Lord, may we not let anything distract us and detour us from living all that you have for us. God, I'd rather be a beggar at your door than in the house of a palace without hope. I'd rather be a Jonathan giving up prestige than a Saul who's king and afraid. Lord, may we take ownership of our lives and live the life that You have given us in Your Son, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.